pay Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and thanks for joining me today. I'm Cheryl Butler, and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome. Today, I'm so excited to welcome a very special guest and one of my colleagues here at Quick and Dirty Tips, Mignon Fogarty. Mignon is the founder of the Quick and Dirty Tips Network and the creator of the award-winning podcast, Grammar Girl. She's also the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing, and six other books on language. And she's an inductee in the Podcasting Hall of Fame. With summer vacation for our kids right around the corner, Mignon is going to share some great ideas with us on how we can keep our kids engaged with their summer reading and writing, something that many of us as parents struggle with because we want to find that balance of keeping them on task throughout the summer, but also letting them have that much-needed summer vacation downtime. So, Mignon, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Mighty Mommy podcast. Welcome. Oh, sure, Cheryl. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that great introduction. Oh, you're welcome. As I mentioned, summer vacation is fast approaching, and kids will have about 10 weeks of free time on their hands. What are a couple of key things parents can do to prepare their students for summer reading and writing? Well, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would take me to the library once a week and let me pick out my own books. I think that's really important is to let kids pick out their own books because, you know, that's what they are most interested in reading. So even if that's, um, you know, maybe even a comic book or a graphic novel or, or an audio book, you know, something that is a book or book adjacent or book like (laughs) that they can get excited about. You want to get that into their hands. That's great. You know, I did that one of my, um, I have eight kids and one of my sons absolutely is not anything about reading or writing, but he's very hands-on. He's, he loves building things and um, he wants to be an architect. So what we did with him was, was exactly that suggestion. We let him go pick out like popular mechanics and building magazines and um, just to have him holding something in his hand and and reading things that interested him finally turned the page for him and and got him interested in reading things about the field that he wants to go into so thank you that's a great suggestion yeah the other thing I wonder and you know you you I don't have children you have 
much more experience with this than I do, but I would imagine I was also really motivated by um, goals and rewards when I was little. You know, I would get a gold star for finishing a book on a little page that my mom made. So if there, if you have a, a child who's motivated by that sort of thing, I imagine they aren't all motivated by that kind of feedback. But if you can find a way to set up some goals, you know, a book a week, a book every two weeks, something that, that will work for that particular um, child, then maybe setting up a reward structure would work too. Great. That's segues into my next uh, question that I was going to ask you, which is, is kind of in keeping with what we just talked about, about um, getting your kids interested uh, and prepared for doing some reading and writing over the summer. And I was going to ask for the non-readers, like I just mentioned with my son, you know, keeping them engaged. So some type of a reward system um, that might be a motivator for them. To, right. right. And do you have any other ideas for non-readers? Um, I know you're, you're in the world of language, and I personally, somebody that loves, I love words, I love uh, just to pick up a magazine or a book and even just, you know, smell the paper. I just love mm-hmm. all, all things about it. But for kids that just aren't going to want to do that and, and pick up a book, um, do you have any other suggestions? Yeah. Another thing I was thinking of is, um, you know, peer pressure always works pretty well. And if um, you can get your kids involved in a group, whether that's a book club or a, a poetry writing class at the library or maybe going to... Like if you if you're lucky enough to have a bookstore that has author readings in your city, you know take them to that with some friends. You know make it an outing with friends, so that um, the the you, that your child has a motivation whether it's to impress his or her friends or you know have an opportunity to engage with kids. Um, their own age, that something that makes it more of a social activity with other kids can also make it something they look forward to instead of maybe something they dread. It's an opportunity to see their friends. Oh, that's great because sometimes uh, strength in numbers, kids do like to hang out with the, with their buddies and their pals over the summer. And if they're not alone, sometimes I think the thoughts of if you have a child that is motivated by social settings, having to just, you know, get get hunkered down in, in your house, in your bedroom or something and, and read and do it could be like, oh, that could be a drudgery. But when it's um, in a, a setting like that, um, that definitely motivates. And there might even be some friendly competition if they have contests or anything like that, to, you know, um, about how many books do you think you can read this summer or that type of thing. You never know where that could go. So thank you. That's great. Sure. And I was a professor for a few years. And one of the things I noticed is that when I had kids do peer editing, when they would, um, you know, know that they were going to read each other's work and edit each other's work, sometimes it seemed as if they worked a little harder than when they knew their peers were going to see their work than when they knew it was just me that was going to grade it. So, you know, they they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to have their friends see something bad that they wrote. So they'll work a little harder on it. Oh, I love that. Love that. Thank you. (laughs) So speaking of fun, um, do you have any suggestions for fun word games that we can play with our kids, um, either online or offline, either things that kids can play? You know, obviously my kids, there's eight of them, so they have siblings they can do projects and games with, or there, there are a lot of games that seem to be popular that you can do just by yourself to gain some traction with keeping up with reading and writing. So do you have any suggestions in that area? Sure. I mean, everybody knows about Scrabble, and I'm, I love Scrabble. I'm still a big fan of that. 
There's a fun little card game called Typo where you make you have cards that have letters on it and you make words. And I've always thought that was a fun game too. I mean, a game that we played when I was a kid is we would just take the dictionary and find a random word and then either read the definition or make up a different definition. And the other person had to guess whether it was a real or made up definition. And I think somebody, you know, since then has actually made a board game based on that concept, but you can just do it with any dictionary, you know, a physical book or even an online dictionary. And that can, Oh, that's great. Yeah. That can be really fun. I actually have a card game called peeve wars. That is fun. Your goal is to amass an army of peeves and annoy your opponent to death. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, we actually joked when we were making it, we wanted my, the um, game developer that worked with me, he really wanted to put, um, no educational value on the outside of the deck of cards because <laughs> it really, I would not say that it, it's not going to teach you a whole lot. It'll expose you to what the major pet peeves are in the world. And it's actually just kind of fun, but it's not super educational. <laughs> oh, but you know, we have to have, like I said, fun that when kids think it's fun, they, you know, they look forward to it. We still do board games in my house. Um, you know, I've I've got kids in college, kids that are married, um, and uh, then I still have high schoolers and and a middle schooler, and um, they still love board games. And I, I think it's because we started them off with them when they were really young. And um, Scrabble is definitely uh, still one of the top games, and uh, I don't think that one will ever go out of style. So thank you, great ideas. Yeah. Um. Now, do you have any tricks, Mignon, that can help kids? retain certain grammar rules. Um, one I always refer to, and it, I, it stuck with me forever, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, is the rule of I before E except after C. So do you think these are um, helpful, or is there um, value to them, or is it just better to just, you know, focus on on the things that you like to read and write and not worry, don't get so hung up on rules, but um, but you're the expert. So I'd love to defer to you on what you think about that. Well, it's kind of both. I definitely think they're helpful. And I tried to, in, in the Grammar Girl podcast, how I got started really, and, and that's almost why it's called Quick and Dirty Tips, is I was always coming up with memory tricks to remember different um, rules. So, you know, people always ask about the difference between affect and effect, one with an A and one with an E. And um, I use the memory trick raven. I think of a big black raven up on a roof, like ready to swoop down in the in the street. And the, the only reason is because raven has the letters A-V-E-N in it, which stands for affect, verb, effect, noun. It's a little memory trick. You just remember that affect with an A is usually a verb, and effect with an E is usually a noun. And so I think of the raven, and I remember um, I have another one for who versus whom. Um, if you can answer the question with him, which has an M on the end of it, then you usually want whom. And that trick just works because him is an object pronoun and whom is an object pronoun. But you don't need to know that to remember that him with an M means you need whom with an M. So I love memory tricks. I think they're really helpful. Um, unfortunately, the one that you mentioned, I before E, except after C, people, it's a kind of a, a useless trick because there's so many exceptions to it. It's, you know, <laughs> the people, of uh, teachers have come out and said, maybe we shouldn't teach that anymore because it's just so frustrating and confusing for people that, that you know, right. when you bump oh, up against all these exceptions. <laughs> well, that's good to know. See, I, I've just learned something myself. So thank you. That's great. But no, I think those little mind games or just the, anything to trigger your memory. And I never knew the one about the raven. And that is a big one for people 
uh, affect and effect. So thank you. I've learned two things here oh, now. Oh, sure. You, thank you. And actually, what, what I was going to say, though, what, the reason it's both is that when you're doing creative writing, you really shouldn't worry about the grammar rules in the beginning. You know, if you're writing a story, you need to just get that story down on paper or on the computer screen. And if you're thinking at every step about, do I need a comma here? Is this the right word? It's going to inhibit your creativity. So when people are doing creative writing, especially, and and maybe even the first draft of nonfiction writing, I, I, I think it's best to not focus so much on the rules. And then in your second or third draft, go back and that's when you fix all the little errors. And you just have to make sure you leave time for that second and third draft. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so true. Editing is is the big key there. Um, that's great. Thank you. Now, I have a son that's graduating from high school this year. So he's a senior and he'll be heading to college in the fall. So for freshman students that are heading into college, do you have any advice for them? Because they don't really have structured reading and writing assignments during the summer, like kids that are in school that, um, you know, they have so many books that they, they need to read, um, and they, they journal and do things of that nature. How about kids going into college? Because now those kids are going to have to learn their own schedule and their own self-discipline about keeping up with assignments and things like that. So do you have any advice for those students? Yes. I think if um, if he knows what his classes are, I would get in touch with his professors and see if he could get a syllabus and get ahead on the reading. You know, it's so overwhelming when you're a freshman. Anyway, if you could get a little bit ahead, that would be you know, would really help in that first month. And nobody ever did that for me. But as a professor, if a student had gotten in touch with me and wanted to to know what the reading assignments were going to be for classes in the fall, I would have been really impressed and excited to meet that student in the fall. So not only would it be a good idea to, um, you know, get a jump start, but it would also, you know, sort of raise your profile with your professors and, and get you off to a good start with them, too. Wow, that is excellent. What a great suggestion. I didn't even think you could reach out to them and do do anything like that in the summer. That's oh, a wonderful sure. idea. Yeah, most most professors have email addresses online. They probably won't be as quick to respond in the summer, and if someone if you're having trouble, you might also um contact the dean of the department. Um, if you're, you know, having trouble reaching a professor, because some professors, you know, they go overseas in the summer and do research, but um, a, a, the dean might be able to get you an old syllabus from, you know, a class from the previous year or something like that, too. Wonderful. Oh, Brendan's going to be getting an earful tonight. <laughs> Great <laughs> idea. Um, okay. Anything else for those um, for those kids or even, you know, they don't have to be college kids, but in winding up. Do you have any um, other pieces of advice to students that would just keep them interested as we go along the summer? And for parents, if you think um, something would help parents at this stage of the game, uh, school doesn't get out for us here for about six more weeks. Uh, so it's nice when you can plan ahead and you don't uh, have the bus coming in on that last day of school. And then it just gets away from you all of a sudden. It's 4th of July and then you're heading into uh, August and then uh, kids are behind because they, they haven't set up um, any kind of a, a plan for over the summer. So any any tips there? Yeah, I, I can't say enough about local libraries and bookstores. I think if you just went to their websites and most of them will probably have posted 
you know, what their events are for the next couple of months, whether that's book readings or classes, you know, the library or things like that. So I think if you can get those schedules now and see what's coming up, in the next couple of months that that would be available for your kids. You know, that would be great to get it on the calendar now so you can see, okay, two weeks after you're out of school, this really cool author is coming to the local bookstore and we're going to go listen to her talk. And so why don't you read her book? And then you can ask, you can actually ask questions to the person who wrote that book. You know, I think that could be a really um, fun thing to get excited about that's coming up. Or, you know, if I remember taking a poetry class at my library and just loving it. And so um, I would, I would check what their upcoming schedules are. Great. Yeah. I think our libraries are still such a hidden gem. There's so much that goes, goes on at the library that, uh, families might not even realize it's not just about going and checking out a book, but the um, the people that they bring in and the programs. And it's not just for one day. Sometimes I know at our library, you can sign up for like a five week activity where you meet, you know, once a week and engage in not just the, the reading or the writing, but they, they like will associate a craft with it or something hands on. So that makes it, that takes it to a different level. So I, I love that. Yeah. I was just going to remember my local library here in Reno, they have a little maker space and they have, um, musical and they have, you know, like an electronic keyboard that people can play on. And, you know, they have a lot of things besides books too. So if you have a, a child who isn't necessarily an enthusiastic reader, it's a way to at least get, get him into, uh, you know, into the, building where books are <laughs> so maybe right. get them into the setting <laughs> right get them into the setting and maybe you know after they're done uh, using the in the craft tools or something maybe they'll pick up a book about it <laughs> right that that's the hope and and a lot of times that really does happen and sometimes i know i found with my own kids is not if i don't like to push it and force it but i still am you know encouraging it um as much as I can. And when it's kind of their idea, even though, you know, they have to, you know, come to the library with me or go where we're going. But when they kind of uh, branch out on their own and start exploring, then it just becomes, it's like, then it's, they own it and they're excited about it. And I think, especially for kids that are just not uh, bookworms and and want to be there, at least if there's other ways to get them excited um, about what goes on in a library or in the literary world. Um, plays, I, I found plays are mm. great too, um, because then they, they know the play was also a book, and um, we've started doing more of that in my family, and uh, my kids, uh, my high school kids love that. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, thank you so much, Mignon, for these great ideas. Um, summer vacation is definitely something that families look forward to after the grind of schedules and um, really overscheduling a lot of things uh, throughout the school year. So you, you look forward to that downtime. But sometimes too much downtime is not always a good thing either. So when we can combine some of, of the tools that are going to get them ready for their next incoming year of school. And, um, you know, it's educational, but it's fun. Um, we, we balance it out and uh, everybody, it's a win-win. So your tips are very helpful for that. And thank you so much. I know the Mighty Mommy listeners are going to appreciate it and get a lot of um, good tips from you today. Sure. Good luck to everyone out there. <laughs> Thanks again to Mignon. Grammar Girl for joining me today and sharing so many fun and easy-to-use tips for keeping summer reading fun and exciting. You can listen to the Grammar Girl podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 
as always, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.